Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series in the Sermon on the Mount called The Politics of Jesus, where we're learning how to live the upside-down way of Jesus' kingdom. Thanks for joining us. The word politics means the activities associated with the governance of a country or kingdom. In other words, it simply means the way people living in groups make decisions and live those decisions out as a community. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is a picture of the kingdom of God, an invitation to life in community, which is often upside down to the kingdom of this world. Well, as that video just showed us, we're in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 of the New Testament. And as we think about that today, can I take you to another place in the Bible that I went to this week? I pray with a group of people a couple times a month, uh, other community uh, pastors and leaders from other churches. And as I was praying the other day, uh, this past Tuesday, this verse came to my mind, Psalm 5110. Would you read it with me? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Especially that last part. Renew a right spirit within me is what really came to my mind. And I was thinking about the fact, if you're following along in the message notes, that what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount over and over and over again, in case we miss it, is live in your heavenly Father's presence. You know, every day, live in your heavenly Father's presence with a right spirit. With a right spirit. Now, if you'll allow me, before I actually unpack the passage we're going to look at today, let me take you to an example of Jesus' teaching when he told a story. In Luke 18, we read these words. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, a religious leader, and the other, a tax collector, which would have been hated in that culture. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And the picture that we have as we think about those two guys, if if you look at these two, Jesus is pointing out that both of them are seeking God. One has a right spirit, and one has a self-righteous spirit. And over and over again, what Jesus is digging at in the Sermon on the Mount is saying, if you follow God and you become more self-righteous, then what's happening is you're actually in God's presence and you can even pray, you can sing worship songs, you can quote Bible verses, and you'll be doing it out of the wrong spirit. I don't know about you, that scares me. That means that I can get up from my quiet time and be as self-righteous as when I started. And so over and over again, Jesus is saying, do you realize that you live every moment of every day in the holy presence of your father? So you don't need to show off anymore. 
You don't need to be in security more. Your heavenly father cares about you. We learned that last week. You don't have to worry. He cares about you. He wants to provide for you. But if you're not careful, you will begin to become self-righteous, judgmental. And so today, the verse that he has for us is this famous verse. If you're looking at the notes, uh, would you mind reading uh, the second gray box there? And then I'm going to come back to the first gray box. So don't worry, those of you that like sequence. But would you mind reading that with me? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Have you ever had anybody say, don't judge me? Or have you had someone that you, maybe you grew up in a home where all you experienced was constant criticism, where all was ever noticed of what you did wrong, and that got pointed out, and very rarely did you ever hear, way to go, you did that right. You ever seen the power of a spirit of judgment, what that can do to a group of people, what that can do to your own spirit? And have you ever, like me, have you ever found yourself, even after leaving church, still being judgmental? So what does Jesus mean here? Do not judge. Some people in this tolerant culture, this permissive culture, believe that never, ever judge another person. It's not right to criticize. But let me just say this to you. We were made as creatures to critique and evaluate things. In fact, I'm going to guess that before you even got into your seat today, you made at least 15 to 20 value judgments on your way on the campus. You notice things. God made us to be people that do that. But where's the tension is, is how, does it, how do we do that in the right spirit? So if you're following along, notice this, that the word judge has a range of meanings. And we have to understand what Jesus is saying here in its proper context. So it can mean on one end to evaluate and to weigh carefully, you know, to critique, to assess, to notice. On the other end, it can mean to readily exclude or condemn. To readily exclude or condemn. Which one do you think Jesus is talking about here? Do not judge. He's talking about the condemning side where we begin to play God and in self-righteousness, look down our nose at others or say, I don't want to have anything to do with them very quickly. Now, notice that in the first gray box, I told you we'd come back to that. Look at what he says in John 7, 24. Would you read that with me out loud? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So here's the question. Are we supposed to judge? Yes, but in the right spirit and in the right way. So we're supposed to judge in the sense that we're supposed to regularly be able to evaluate life. And here's what I want you to notice. If you pay attention to the context... I'm going to ask you to read one more verse. And it's the third gray box there. And um, it says this. Would you read it with me out loud? Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And then in the passage that I'm also supposed to talk about some today, if you drop down your Bibles to verse 15, and I never asked you to open your Bibles to Matthew 7, but I will now is that in Matthew 7, 15, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
Does Jesus want us to judge things? Absolutely. He does not want us to be undiscerning. So let's talk about judging wrongly and judging rightly. And let's ask the Lord to teach us from this passage. Would you pray with me, please? Now, Lord, I pray. First of all, I just admit to you that too often I move from judging rightly into judging wrongly. So I need this message. I need you to renew a right spirit in me. And as I let you do that, would you speak to every other person listening to this message today, whether in person or online, how we need you, Lord, how we need you. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, the series sentence that we've been using kind of ties into this whole idea of the right spirit. So here it is. Here's the series sentence that we've been using. We're learning how to live the upside down way of Jesus' kingdom. Now, whenever we say way, there is a way to live. There's a spirit in which to live. There is a heart that God wants us to have. And that's what we're talking about, is we're, we're trying to learn how to live in Jesus' kingdom with the right spirit. Renew a right spirit in me, okay? So let's talk first about what happens if we don't do that, okay? So judging wrongly. You'll notice in those first verses that we read earlier, do not judge, okay? So what's that mean? Out to the right, I put, don't be judgmental in, the, in my notes, just as a way of saying it. What Jesus is talking about here is a judgmental spirit where you move from healthy evaluation, healthy assessing or critiquing into a, a judgmental spirit. And I want to just say this to you, that sometimes when people say you're being judgmental, what they mean is, I don't like when you hold me accountable. So just because someone throws out you're being judgmental doesn't necessarily mean we are, but a lot of times it does. And you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people have a hard time hearing about Jesus or about Christianity is because sometimes the way we've come at those people is with the wrong spirit, with a judgmental spirit. And it feels very condescending. It feels very much like we're self-righteous and standing in the place of God. And so Jesus comes after this. He just says, look, like when you're navigating relationships, and the title of this message is Relating Rightly in Jesus' Kingdom, in the Kingdom, so when you're navigating and every day you're going to interact with people or you're going to see people do things, what do you do? Well, here's some, here's some wise counsel. He says, do not judge. Do not be judgmental. And if you're following along, do not judge wrongly by forming my opinions too hastily and superficially. Judging wrongly by forming my opinions too hastily and superficially. Where do I get that? He says, do not judge by appearances. When you and I judge by things on the surface, if we judge quickly, then we are going to be careless sometimes, and we are going to fall into a judgmental spirit if we're not already, or out of a judgmental spirit, we'll be looking for that. And so he says, look, don't be hasty. Don't do that quickly. Don't be superficial in your judgments. And in this culture of sound bites, is it not easy for us to opinionate and quickly say, well, I think. And man, Jesus just goes, just be careful about that. I was reading a story, maybe you've read it before too, by Stephen Covey, who had this experience on a subway in New York 
One Sunday morning on a subway in New York, people were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting with their eyes closed. It was calm, peaceful scene. Then suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway car. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth, throwing things, even grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing. And yet the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I could not believe that he could be so insensitive to let his children one, 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 excuse me, run wild like that and do nothing about it, taking no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine, Stephen Covey writes, what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in that instant. Jesus says, don't judge hastily. Don't judge superficially. It'll, 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 it'll be a mistake. Don't do it. Second, do not uh, judge wrongly by not noticing or letting God deal with my faults first. With my faults first. This is what was going on. Do you notice that the person is completely, in what he says in the next few verses, he says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log, the railroad tie, the plank in your own eye? You know, first, he says, hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's saying, first things first. You have become such a speck inspector that you're missing planks, logs, in your own. And Romans 2.1 is a powerful verse where the Apostle Paul writes this, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Do you remember when they brought a woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus? And they say, the law says, Moses says this, and Jesus says, okay, well, let's figure this out. Let's do it this way. Whoever is without sin. By the way, my friends who could care less about God know this verse. Whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. What's Jesus just saying? Can we just make sure you look at your sin first before we get this ladies figured out? And it changed. They all dropped rocks. They were ready. It changed. Notice the third thing is judging wrongly by believing other people's faults are way worse than my own. By believing other people's faults are way worse than my own. 
If we get in the wrong spirit, if I become self-righteous, what I start noticing is going, that's terrible. When I see somebody else, I don't say that when I see my own as quickly. But there's a, a famous story by the guy that wrote this, create in me a clean heart, oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Do you realize that that's Psalm 51? That's written by King David a year after he sinned with Bathsheba and killed, had her husband killed to cover up his sin. And a year later, a year later, Prophet Nathan comes to him in 2 Samuel 12 and says, uh, David, can I tell you a story? He said, sure. He said, there was a rich man that had lots of sheep, but he had some guests come by. And so one day he saw his neighbor across the street that just was poor and only had a little ewe lamb that was kind of like a pet. And so instead of taking some of his own sheep from his flock to feed his guests, he took that ewe lamb, killed it, and served it to his guests. And David comes out of his chair. He's unglued. That man deserves to die. He needs to repay that fourfold. Nathan goes, you're the man. You took another man's wife, and then you had her husband killed. And you get upset when you hear a story about a lamb. You don't even see your faults first or at all. You have a log in your own eye, David. As soon as David heard that, though, to his credit, I have sinned. And God was able to help him see what he had been missing. Notice, judging wrongly by forgetting God's great mercy to me that I still need. By forgetting God's great mercy to me that I still need. You notice, remember that back at the beginning when we saw those two guys praying? What did the one guy say? Have what was the word? Mercy on me. There was a sacrifice nearby in the temple, the mercy seat. And literally what this guy's praying is, be mercy seated to me. In other words, let the sacrifice of another be applied to my heart. And he realized that he was in great need of mercy that only God could provide. What did the religious leader, did he remember mercy? He didn't need mercy at all. Why? Because I fast twice a week. I don't do the cruddy things that these other people do. And I tithe. Aren't you proud of me, God? And it was self-righteousness. I don't need mercy as much as him. Oh, man. (laughs) I need mercy every day. I once read a poem uh, by a Russian poet named Turgenev, who said, I don't know what the heart of a good man, the heart of a bad man is like, but I know what the heart of a good man is like, and it is terrible. I need mercy. The closer I get to the holy presence of God, I see that my character still has all kinds of motives and things that need to be renewed and restored and a new heart needs to be created, don't you? And so when Jesus is telling Peter, Peter says, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Jesus tells you, oh, and Jesus finishes the parable with these words in Luke 18. They're powerful. Luke 18, 32 and 33, sorry. Um, 
Not that one. I'm sorry. There's two Luke 18, so I bet that's confusing. Is it Matthew 18? Maybe I'm saying it wrong. I think I'm saying it wrong. Matthew 18. Sorry, my fault. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Here's the phrase. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Here's what I've noticed. When I forget the mercy, the great mercy God's had to show me, I don't remember to show it as much to other people. A self-righteous spirit has now entered into me. And I start judging wrongly. Why? Because I'm judging out of a wrong spirit. So that's why David prays, renew a right spirit in me, God, every day. Keep me operating and walking in your presence humbly. I love what Tim Keller writes about the gospel and where we're told that Jesus had to die in our place or we would never be made right with God. He says the gospel humbles us into the dust and at the very same time, exalts us to the heavens. Why? Because it humbles us to know that we need mercy that much, but it exalts us to know that Jesus paid it so that we don't have to judge wrongly anymore. Now he says, how do we judge rightly? Okay, so if you think that judging wrongly, that we're not supposed to ever make any judgments, he says, no, no, you're going to have to learn how to be discerning. So in my notes, out to the right of judging rightly, I put, but be discerning, but be discerning. So don't be judgmental, but be discerning. Now, again, we need grace for that, don't we? But some of maturity, the Bible tells us, is that we begin to be able to detect truth from error. We're able to detect when deception's going on. We're able to detect when healthy boundaries need to be set in place because we're being manipulated and used. And so we need that kind of discernment, that kind of wisdom. And Jesus is certainly all about that. But how do we do that out of a right spirit and not out of a superior spirit? So if you're following along, notice this, judging rightly by humbly testing everything with God's word by humbly testing everything with God's word. By the way, there's a mistake in the notes. Could you do me a favor and just uh, correct it so that, you know, you just say, you know, Jeff does that once in a while. It's Matthew, where you see 5, 6. It's actually chapter 7. So chapter 7. Because that, again, mentions this idea we already saw in the third very box that, you know, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls before pigs or swine. And, and what, it's, what Jesus is saying, you got to be able to recognize when there's dogs and when there's pigs that may not value those things. you got to be able to recognize that. you got to be able to recognize false prophets, because if you don't, you'll be duped, you'll be deceived, and there are going to be false prophets, and they're going to say a lot of things that look just like real sheep, but they're not. They're, they're lying to you. And Jesus does not want us to be gullible, Foolish, but notice what he says in Matthew 10, 16. This is one of the words he gave to his disciples. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He's saying, you know, don't kiss your brains goodbye. Don't kiss your your ability that I've given you to discern, but don't trust in it either. Completely. Now that leads to the next part. If you're following along, by pausing to pray, judging rightly by pausing to pray, 
Ask for and seek God's wisdom. Now, there's several things I can just tell you right here. So this week, as I was working on the message, I was working on some of it at home and then here at the office. But my brother and sister-in-law were here uh, for several days this week. And so I went out to the kitchen where my wife and my sister-in-law, two very godly people that I think are going to be much closer to Jesus in heaven. So I went up to them and I said, do you guys ever struggle with being judgmental? And they said, yeah. I go, you guys do? So I realized this isn't just something I struggle with. And so I said, what's helped you? So my wife says, well, I've found that if I stay each day in the word of God, it's kind of like a mirror that helps me. And then my sister-in-law said, I find that by stepping back and praying and pausing to acknowledge the Lord, I'm more in a better place to judge rightly. I thought, don't be surprised if that shows up in the message notes. Now, here's what I want to say. In the very next verse after, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Verse 7, which Steve's going to teach more on next week, says, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given to you. What's Jesus saying? This isn't easy. You're going to need help all the time, but ask, seek me, knock, and it'll be open to you. I'll show you. I'll help you. But Proverbs 3, 6, many of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, some by life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean. Do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, it doesn't mean kiss your brains goodbye, but don't put all your weight on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Oh my goodness, when I am judgmental, when I think I've got it all figured out, I can be easily deceived because I'm wise in my own eyes. I'm leaning on my own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. So this helps us to judge rightly. And how many times God has helped me see more clearly if I was humble enough to say, God, would you help me? I think I'm trusting too much in my own smarts. And I'm getting in the wrong self-righteous spirit again. Help me, oh God, to be childlike and acknowledge you. Notice this is judging rightly by speaking the truth in love to build others up. Judging rightly by speaking the truth in love to build others up. There are times when the Bible says is that iron sharpens iron, that we must challenge one another. Friends, it's not a loving thing when you see someone going down the wrong road to stay quiet. But the way that we speak about it is huge because if we speak to that person out of a self-righteous spirit, it will not help. It's like saying, look, I'm not going to take care of the log in my own eye, but I'm really going to talk to you about that speck. And I think you need to know I'm going to be a big help to you. Notice what Jesus says, you hypocrite. You're, think, you're acting helpful when all you really want to do is deflect the attention away from your own stuff. You're not doing it from the right motive. But it's possible to do it out of love, out of concern. Here's the question. Jesus, notice it does not say that we're not supposed to help take specks out of our brother's eye. But when we do it, because it's such a sensitive thing, we need to be in the right spirit. And we need to make sure we've already been dealing with our own heart so that we're sensitive. And then we can speak the truth in love. And the goal is always, 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 always to restore, to help, to build up. It always is. Notice this is judging rightly by practicing wise boundaries with some. By practicing wise boundaries with some. 
Friends, I've taught this boundaries class over the years, and some of the people that have taken the class have said this is one of the most helpful classes they've ever taken. Because most of us, when we hear about Jesus, we think that he wants us to be not only completely tolerant of what anybody else does to us or says, but also that we just have to keep being a doormat. Friends, that is not true. Let me just give you one passage of scripture that I think is totally fascinating about this. Look at Matthew 15, 14. I've listed it out to the right here on the screen. The disciples come to him and say, um, you realize that the Pharisees were offended by what you said. And here's what Jesus says. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. What's Jesus saying? You don't have to keep going on with those guys when they criticize what I said. You need to have healthy boundaries. And so the same way, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before swine. What's he saying? Be discerning on whether or not they're receptive. He actually told his disciples, when you go into a village that I'm sending you, look for people that are receptive. And if they're not receptive, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next town. Boundaries. You don't have to keep living. Now, when, you're, when it's a family member, it's way trickier to set these boundaries, friends. I know that. But you and I can learn to set wise boundaries. We can be discerning. We can say, is this a person that's not going to value what I say? In fact, they'll not only value, not value it, they'll trample, they'll turn to tear me up. And Jesus is saying, be careful, be discerning. Wise boundaries are necessary. One more thing, judging rightly by often coming back, here's the phrase again, to a heart of mercy. Judging rightly by often coming back to heart of mercy. If you look at these verses here, I'll just give you several right here. Matthew 9, 13. Look at what Jesus says one day. But go and learn. This He's talking to Bible scholars. But go and learn this Bible verse, he says, from Hosea 6, 6. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Look at what he says in Matthew 12, 7. He says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. He's saying, you can't get... So years ago, I found myself just full of a critical spirit towards some situations. And one day as I was reading the scripture and praying, the Lord just used this phrase across the ticker of my mind, Jeff, get back to mercy. Your heart has gotten hardened. Your self-righteous spirit, you have the wrong spirit right now. Even if everything you're reading is accurate about that situation, you're operating in the wrong spirit. Therefore, you will not navigate this well. Oh man, friends, so many times I've heard the spirit of God have to say to proud, impulsive, self-righteous me, get back to mercy. Get back to mercy. I'll give you one more example. My wife and I, drive in the same car sometimes, she'll tell you that it's life-threatening. But when I'm driving, this is when I see myself becoming a helpful critic to everyone else on the road. Oh my gosh, did you see that? Come on, that kind of stuff and all that stuff. So one day she just said to me, um, your spirit is not helpful to me right now. Okay, <laughs> which I think that was the Holy Spirit, but I wasn't interested because it was coming through my wife, see? And so my wife, I turned to her and I go, well, the way you just talked to me was the wrong spirit. <laughs> and all of a sudden the Lord goes, you got a problem. You got a pr 
You, you just deflected. You didn't take her helpful criticism, which was true. You're changing the atmosphere by your judgmental spirit. And also, you're not loving the driver in front of you at all. You have no mercy for them. What's going on? And it's very helpful. So let me just ask you this, okay? Here's a prayer that we're coming, before we take communion, think about this with me. Father God, what do you want to do in me today? Remember, restore a right spirit in me. What do you want to do in me? So the, please don't put your notes away because I've got something to prepare for before we take communion, okay? Sorry about that. I didn't give you a warning. If you turn your notes over on the back, the tension we're trying to talk about, we've talked about often in this church family. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And by grace, we mean that he came interested in relationship and invitation. He invited people in. He wasn't pushing people and excluding people and judgmentally pushing people away. He was inviting people in. But at the same time, he told people the truth. He said it straight, which meant that he called people to responsibility and he challenged his disciples. He challenged people when he saw something that wasn't right, but he always did it, even when he said, whoa, in a way to bring them back. So if you notice that the Pharisees lived in call-out land all the time there in that lower right quadrant, and by call-out, we don't mean call-out a good thing. We mean always calling out mistakes, errors, flaws, specs. But then there's this other temptation in the upper left-hand corner to just hang out. Well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. Peace at any price. And you have high grace, low truth. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I want to call people up. I want to call people in. And so when you and I think about that, how do we have that right spirit of call up in our hearts? So I've listed some reflection questions. And they're prayerful reflection questions that I'm just going to give you a couple minutes to look at. But here, here's what I want you to notice. Heavenly Father, have I become self-righteous before you? As my spirit, do you see that? Am I more interested in being right or relating rightly? Am I noticing their faults more or before my own faults? Here's a phrase. This phrase set me back to mercy when I was a pastor in Iowa. Might there be more going on with this person than I know? Just by admitting that, I noticed my heart was more soft. Is there someone you're wanting me to speak the truth and love to? Do I need courage? Is there someone I need to courageously set wise boundaries with? Am I judging slowly, carefully, and mercifully? Would you just look at those questions and would you be willing just to pray? And again, it's possible to leave this church building today with the wrong spirit, even after singing and hearing a Bible message. But you and I don't want to do that, do we? What would it be like if our church each, each week when we operate and interact with people, we do it out of the right spirit? Would you just mind bowing your head for a minute and praying and asking God what he wants to say to you, what he wants to do in you? Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook. Facebook.